Hey, you're listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to AbideChurchFL.com and enjoy today's message. Oh, that was awesome. Thank you, guys. Was that okay? I mean, it's okay with me, so. Are y'all ready for the word? I know we had a lot of fun, but I have a message that, that I want to share with, to, with you today. Thank you, my love. A word that I want to share. We could open up our Bibles to John 14. You got your Bible? Say amen. 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 Listen, I'm not going to take super long, but this, I just want to let you know, the reason we are called Abide Church is because of the passage I'm going to go through today. <laughs> that's, that's my brother. Let's go. The reason we're called Abide Church, and, and we, we, we used to be called Life Church. How many of you were here when we were called Life Church? Look at you guys. You guys are the originals. I love you guys so much. But, but God began to speak to us about the importance of abiding. And so last night I was in this room. We have prayer on Wednesday nights and on Saturday nights. And listen, I, I, I'm, I'm serious about this. If you want to grow in your walk with Jesus, how many of you want to do that? I want to say this with all love in my heart. It's going to take more than Sunday mornings. There's been a lot of us that we've been doing the Sunday morning thing. And, and, we're, and I feel like we're good at this. I don't say that with pride. I feel like this is comfortable for us. We're comfortable coming in. There's a hundred and something people in the room and there's this loud eruption. But there's something that happens when there's just a few in a room and it's just you and your heart and you're vulnerable before the Lord that something changes. And I, I'm going to say this. It's, it's not about super Christianity or about understanding. I watched a guy walk in two weeks in a row on a Wednesday night who just came off of addiction. Like used to, used to write me on Facebook, hey, I've been watching you guys online, but I can't get there because I can't put down the bottle long enough. And I watched him come on a Sunday, and I watched God wreck him in a good way, meaning God break down all that stuff. And I watched him two weeks in a row sit in that chair on a Wednesday night and weep for two hours. And he said to me, it was funny, he came up to me, he's like, man, I love Sunday mornings. Don't take this the wrong way, but there's something about Wednesday nights. Well, and, and to me, that's everything. Because if you come to this church to hear Geo, I'm so sorry, you're going to be disappointed. But if you can get it in your heart that Jesus is everything and that he wants to meet you in your bedroom, in your car, at your job on Wednesdays, on Saturdays, something begins to happen in your heart where you're not, listen, if you're led by man, man will fail you. I will fail you. I will fail you. I'm just not that good. I, at some point, I'm going to let you down. At some point, I, because I'm a man. But the person of Jesus, he never fails us. He never fails us. And so we, we have established a church for one reason, and that's to create a place where the King of glory can abide, where he can remain, and him and his people, they can commune in relationship because I believe this is the epitome, the pinnacle, the everything of Christianity. You're like, well, what about the goal of the gospel? There is no goal unless there's a come. Until you come face to face with Jesus, you have nothing to give that person. Some of the people who knew the most about the Bible, the most studied, the most religious, they had, they had memorized portions of Scripture. Jesus says this about them in Matthew 15. He says, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Ooh, that is scary. That is scary because that means I can, I can lock myself in a room for 24 hours a day and memorize everything in this book, but until I encounter the person of the book, I haven't got it right. So if I, if I have a lot of Bible knowledge, but it doesn't lead me to experience, and I've only become equipped to be a better debater. 
to make my opinion or my point and try to convince you, but if I have an encounter with Jesus, like if, if that man, I'm not talking to you about religion or Christianity or about a Bible, I'm talking to you about a person who is alive, who we sang about. That, that sound that we love to hear when he walks into a room, it's more than a cool melody. It is a reality that happens as hungry hearts, they, they, they go and they bow down low. Something happens where the king walks into a room. And as the king walks into the room, everything bows low. That's including your deficiencies. And so a lot of people, I don't know about you, but, but I have this in, inward tension. And I think we're missing this tension because we've been conditioned. See, the problem is if we don't get into this word and we don't rightly divide it and we don't do community, what ends up happening is we become these Christians that just come to church on Sunday. We feel really good about the message. We feel like everybody around us is like us, so we feel comfortable, but we don't let the word cut us. Like the parts of us that, that God doesn't, doesn't like, the, the reality, the parts of you that you don't like, and we keep going through these motions and these motions. And I believe the key to this, the key, the answer to this is this, abiding. Say abiding. So I want to take us to, to John 14. Are you there? Jesus is speaking to the disciples, and this is like one of the last dialogues he has with them. And he's sharing, he's, he's dropping knowledge. And he's talking to them, he's, predict he's predicting his betrayal, he's letting them know I'm going to be gone. And the disciples, you got to understand, they find themselves in a really tough spot because they fell in love with this man. They didn't follow Jesus because they thought he was a good teacher, they loved him. How do I know, listen, I read this book, it's right there on the front. When I first got saved, I read a book called Jesus Freaks. Has anybody read it? Jesus Freaks, it's a book of, of just martyrs. You don't know what a martyr is, they're people who got killed serving the Lord, like they believed in Jesus. And something happened to me when I was like 20 years old and I read that book and I realized there are people that are willing to, to die for him and I'm not even willing to fully live for him. Not you, I'm talking about Gio. And so I would read through this Bible and I would see that every time Jesus ran across a sick person, they got better. And everywhere he went, people wanted to hear his message, even if it was hard. And everywhere he went, darkness had to bow. Like when, the, when Jesus came face to face with demons, they begged him, no, please, no. Yet we have thousands of churches all across our nation today that demons are very comfortable in. And what I'm praying for us as a body is that the closer people drive to this property, they will know if you drive, if you walk into that building, it will not be able to survive. That sickness, are you alive? That sickness would have to bow and that we would walk as disciples of Jesus. Not as Christians, not as church attenders, as disciples of Jesus. That we would metaphorically see ourselves throwing down our nets, leaving our tax collector's booths, no matter where you find yourself, that you would come to the place where following Jesus is above all. Following Jesus is not a part-time gig, it's everything. So Jesus is speaking to them and they find themselves in this difficult space because he's saying, I'm about to go. And Jesus says these words to him in, in chapter 14, verse 1. He says, listen, oh, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. Do you know that God is preparing a place for you right now? Like, listen, there's so much more to this in your, uh, let's say, good 90 years of life. <laughs> And this day is all the Taco Bell. It's going to be 90. That's it. 
There is enough room in my father's home. If it were not so, I wouldn't have told you that I'm going to prepare a place. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will be with me always where I am. And you will know, and you will know the way to where I'm going. And then Thomas says this, no, we don't know, Lord. We have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? How can we know the way? I feel like there's lots of people today. Maybe you're here. You're trying to find your way. I remember when I first, like, I didn't graduate. I was a high school dropout. But at 18, I got my life kind of semi-together. And I was trying to figure out my way. Which way is my life going to go? And now I'm 30 years old, and I'm still sometimes trying to find my way. Because here's what I know. I want my life to count. I don't know about you, but if I'm going to have a, a short period of time on this earth, I don't want it to be wasted on accruing a 401k or buying material things that when Jesus comes is going to go away. So I'm trying to focus my life on eternal things like depositing in my son and my daughter that you are giant killers. I'm trying to build a church not that raises a lot of money so we can build bigger things, but of people who understand that they war and worship and it changes things. On people who understand the significance of prayer. And I'm going to say something. Listen, prayer is not convenient. Uh, I'll say it to this side. Prayer is not convenient. Like people sometimes, I talk to them and they're like, well, I just don't feel like it. We'll join the club. Huh, here we are. Me and you together. Because our flesh is fighting against us. And, it, and the devil knows. Listen, the devil does not have to destroy your life to ruin it. If he can just get you distracted and caught up in things that are worthless, then we'll look back 70, 80 years from now and ask ourselves, what did we do with what was given to us? I want my son to look at my life and say, he laid his life down as an offering. That's the greatest inheritance I could give my son. Not for you, for him. So Jesus is saying to them, and he's asking, what is the way? And then Jesus responds, I love this. Jesus told them, I am the way. I am the truth, and I am life. And then he says this, no one, say no one. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you, who, you do know him, and you have seen him. So Jesus is saying this, right? They're looking for this path. And Jesus is saying, listen, you don't realize it, but for the last three years, I have been showing you the heart of the Father. Why is abiding so important? Listen, Jesus did not die for you to make it to heaven. Yeah, that's a part of it, and thank God for glory and for grace, but Jesus died for you to bring heaven to earth. Jesus died for you to be a conduit of the Holy Spirit on earth so that people, I don't know when we got so okay with people just going to hell. We sing, awake my soul. Listen, it, I, people ask me, why do you have dreams? I have a lot of dreams at night. And I asked the Lord, Lord, why do I have dreams? Like, when did this happen? I didn't used to have dreams. I used to go to sleep. I used to eat my nacho bel grande, go to sleep, and wake up. I took a couple of tums in between there. Shabbat. 2013, man. And then I started to realize that I don't even remember when it happened, but I, but I conditioned myself to right before sleep, I wasn't going to be on Facebook. I wasn't going to be watching a show. I was going to turn my affection to Jesus. And so I, I try to tell myself, even when I don't feel like it, even when life is struggling and things aren't adding up, the last thing I want to tell my soul is, soul, wake up, because Jesus is here. 
And in that space, Jesus can begin to talk to you and like, well, what's true? Listen, if you are following Jesus, you cannot be deceived. Particularly in our movements where we're so worried, I just don't want to be deceived. He is truth. And either you trust him or you don't. He is the, I'm not the shepherd. You think I'm the shepherd? He is the shepherd of this flock. He is the one who leads us. And listen, I went to Cuba like seven years ago and I watched some sheep. And I didn't see two sheep going, I wonder if we're going the right way. I just didn't see it. They just simply followed. And sometimes they got distracted and sometimes things happened, but the shepherd would come and align them. And that's what I saw yesterday. As I was praying in this room, as, as, as we were worshiping from 7 to 9, I saw what, what looked like a back. Are you alive? And the back was misaligned. I understand this because I have, I have one hip that's higher than the other. I know I look good, but there's some malfunctions going on here. And so my back was, was out of whack. And it was all, and I saw this yesterday, like a back that was curved. And as we were worshiping, I just saw that thing align. And God spoke to me, this is, this is what I want to do to the body. We have lots of dreams and desires and things that we want. We want comfort, but listen, Jesus never promised you comfort. It's so quiet. What are you talking about? Jesus promised you that he will give you everything that you need. Seek first the kingdom of God and everything that you need will be added unto you, right? So Jesus is speaking to them and he says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the light. If you have seen the Father, you've seen me. And then he says this, verse 12, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me, listen, highlight it, underline it. Do you have your Bible? You need to see this. You need to see it. You're like, it needs to be written on your heart. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done. And even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything. Is this just me? Like, like this, this is the Bible. Like, he's, Jesus is telling me that I can ask for anything. And he's going to do it so what? So that the Son can bring glory to the Father? What kind of relationship is that? So wait a second, wait a second. I'm following you, Jesus, and all I have to do is believe. And as I believe, as I trust you, as I give my life to you, anything that I ask, why? Because if you believe and you align yourself to him, you will begin to ask what heaven's asking. I said it to the worship team today when we came in. I was like, listen, guys, and I shared with them, I shared with them the word about alignment. And I said, the problem we have is we hear prophetic words and we say it's for the crowd and not for us. And it's a great deception that we would come to church. This is the worst thing that could happen to you as a Christian, that you would come to church thinking, I go there to do. We come here to minister to Jesus. And Jesus ministers to his people. And if he calls you to pray for the sick or if he calls you to give a prophetic word, it is out of the outflow of loving him. How do I know? Because Jesus begins to speak to them. He says, I'm going to send an advocate who will never leave you. Somebody say, that's good. Listen, the Holy Spirit will never leave you. The Father, Jesus said, it is good that I go because I'm sending an advocate and he's coming to empower you and he will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who, le he leads us into all truth. I used to have all this pressure in life. I come from a different background, man. I grew up in the only religion I knew was Seventh-day Adventist. And God blessed them. I believe there's lots of them going to heaven. But when I came into this madness that is you guys... I was very confused because I saw people like, it was this extravagant expression and I saw people getting healed as people were praying for them and people would come up to me. It's like every time I went to church, somebody would give me a prophetic word. 
It was nerve-wracking. I'd be sitting on the floor and I'd be repenting of sins. Like, Lord, anything in my heart because I knew the freaking guy was going to call me out. <laughs> there was like two years of that. Those who have been with me, you know it's true. And then it stopped. And then I began to go, uh, and then I began to go inward. Well, why isn't God speaking to me anymore? You need to understand that the more you grow in maturity with Christ, the less it's going to be through man and the more it's going to come from him. If you live by the word of man, you will die by the word of man. If you live by applause, you'll die by applause. So Jesus, he promises his Holy Spirit that is going to go with you and it's going to empower you. And then it says this, listen. I'm in verse 17. It's talking about the Holy Spirit. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him. And it doesn't recognize him. So like he's promising this Holy Spirit who is going to walk with you. The Bible calls him the paraclete. He goes near. He is near to you. And it says the world cannot see him because it is not looking for him. And I want to ask you this morning, what are you looking for? Well, I just don't feel the Lord. Listen, you cannot keep your eyes on two things. He's looking for a whole heart, so they can't see him because they're not looking for him. And then he says this, no, I will not abandon you as orphans, but I will come to you. Oh, I love that. So he's, watch this, follow this. He's speaking to them about being the way, the truth, and the life. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. This is one continuous. In our Bibles, it's separated, right? You got 13, 14, 15 chapters. But this is one continuous dialogue that Jesus is having. And he's talking to them about being the truth. He's talking to them about the Holy Spirit. And then he goes into John 15 and he says this, I'm about to show you what it looks like to live this connected life. Oh, this is something I probably read here a hundred times. Listen, if I could preach this, I'd preach it every week. You probably wouldn't come back, but I would. I want to do something in just a moment. Can you give me like 10 more minutes? We need, to, we need to get to a place where, where this is no longer just something we're reading through. Listen to me. We've become too familiar with the text. But we need to understand, we need to, we need to hear it like the disciples were hearing it coming out of the, word, the mouth of Jesus. Understanding that this is a key for us to live John 10.10, life and life in more abundance, right? So Jesus is saying this, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch that doesn't produce fruit. That's, that's mercy and grace. Everything inside of you that is not producing goodness and mercy and righteousness, as you are yoked to the Holy Spirit, he cuts it off. Did you hear that? And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more fruit. So listen, even the things that at one time in your life gave life but are now stagnant, he cuts it so it can grow again. He refines us. He purifies us. And then he says, you have already been pruned and purified by what? By the message, by the words I have given you. Then he says this, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Like, like there's this promise that as you look for him, you will find him, right? Seek me and you will find me. Knock and the door will be open to you. There's this promise that as we pursue him, we realize that he is the pursuer. That as I've been
been distracted and as I've been going through life, I turn around and he's right there. And this is the promise that he's given to us. As you remain in me, as you abide, as you choose me over everything else, I will be there for you. And then he gives this illustration of a branch attached to a tree, right? I remember Covington spoke on this. Do you guys remember the branch? He had a branch in here. He's like, no matter how hard, and then he started shaking, doing that thing. I should bring you up to do it. It was so funny, bro. But it's an amazing illustration that if I were to bring a branch and I were to cut it off of a tree, no matter how hard we tried, there would be nothing we could do to bring that branch life. Sure, like we could, we could like probably like tape some fruit on it, some, some apples. That's what we do in the church. We manufacture things to look like Jesus. And we sing the right songs and we have the right programs. But when Jesus really comes into the room, we know it how. You'll see fruit being produced by the people. I didn't say by the stuff. I said by the people. The people will begin to produce fruit where things, how do I know? This is how you'll know. Things that used to bother you just don't bother you no more. There's some things I go through today that 10 years ago I probably would have hit that guy. I know I got a Jesus shirt on, but I used to be hood. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. There's some Miami people here. I'm sorry, bro. Forgive me, we're in lithia. But the beautiful promise of Jesus is as we remain in him, he remains in us. But then he goes on. There's three things here that I think are important. Yes, I am divine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me, I and them can do nothing. Listen, I and them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Say nothing. That's, that's no thing. Like no thing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile and burn. Watch this. But, verse 7. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything. He's doing it again. He's saying the same thing he said in verse in chapter 14. If you remain in me, anything you ask, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my what? What does that say? Well, I don't know what yours says. Mine says true disciples. So what, like a true disciple doesn't just show up for Sunday school? We don't even have Sunday school. You ain't going to get that around here. So, so, like, so like he sets the bar for a true disciple. Like how do I know if I'm truly following Jesus? Well, you're going to remain in him. Like, Jesus isn't going to be number one on my priority list. He's going to be the center of everything that I do. Like, everything that I do in my life is going to, going to flow out of, of, of my relationship with Jesus. This means I'm going to prioritize him. I'm going to spend time with him. Could you imagine what kind of relationship this would be? Like, you got married to somebody. You're like, hey, I'll see you on Sunday mornings, and it's going to be a great time. We'll be intimate then. It's not going to work, right? And we had a bunch of people talking about, well, God spoke to me, and I, I'm birthing something. Listen, if you're truly giving birth to something, you don't have to say it. You can see it. Somebody who's pregnant doesn't have to go, I'm pregnant. You can see it. You can see the fruit of what happened in an intimate moment. Are we tracking? And some of us, we walk around, and go, oh, God is speaking to me, and I'm pregnant with promise. Are you really, though? Are you really, though? Because according to produce fruit, it's going to require you getting away from the crowds. Like a private moment. In order for you to truly have seed land in your heart and to produce, it's going to require you getting away from your husband, getting away from your wife, turning off the podcast. A podcast is not time with Jesus. Upper room, as amazing as it is, and we love it, they, they are not Jesus. And so he's calling us away. He says, remain in me. And then not only do you remain in me, but as I give you words, 
He says, my words are life and spirit. You're right, they're spirit and life. Those words, they have to remain in your heart. In order for God's words to remain in my heart, I can't allow anything else to get in. Faith, life, and hope cannot live in the same place as doubt and despair. So it means I have to be really intentional about what I allow into my life. Some of your circles, you got to kick some people out. Because they're speaking death over your dreams. You're trying to abide. You spend time alone. But you don't understand that people who are not abiding don't have the capacity to hear the words of life of those who are. So as we spend time with Jesus, are you, are you good? Okay. As we spend time with Jesus, he comes. This is the first and foremost thing. Like, what is Christianity about this? You, 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 you go away from the crowds and you, he comes. And when he comes, the only, way, the only way to keep his words is if you hear him speak. Right? There were some things that were shared in our relationship, me and my wife, that they were shared after years. Because there's something about intimacy that gives you access to the hidden places in someone's heart. You better know that you know that. You can walk up to my wife today. You may have known her for a year, but she ain't going to share with you like she shares with me. Because there's something about time. Intimacy is all about trust. It's not about sex. Oh, he said sex. <sighs> because that's what we've done, right? Sex is a bad word. Intimacy is not about sex. It's about trust and vulnerability. It's about letting that person, that's why people can have sex, but it's not intimate. Because sex outside of vulnerability and trust and relationship, look, Cub looks like he's hiding, bro. It's okay. I love you, bro. I could do that to him. He's one of my best friends. When we enter into true relationship, there are parts of God that are accessed. And so sometimes we get into room like this. We're like, well, God just favors Gio, or God just favors this person, or God just loves them more. No, 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 no. They've just built history together. And there's something about history. There's something about history. There, there's something about doing life together for a long time that you know. You know where the person's going. So I don't have to. I no longer... I don't say this pridefully at all. I no longer have to wonder where Jesus is going because I understand his heart a lot of times. So you move where he's moving because you understand, you read the gospels and it comes alive to you. So he says, remain in me, remain in my words. And then the last thing he says is remain in my love. Did you read that? He says, remain in my love. How do you remain in my love? He answers it. I have loved you, verse 9, even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. And then he says this, when you obey my commandments, uh-oh, when you obey my commandments, you will remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. And then he says this, I have told you these things so that you may be filled with my joy. So that what the byproduct of abiding and his words abiding and remaining in love is joy. Joy. Like joy unspeakable. Like true joy, not joy that you get when you go to Disney, as good as Disney is, not joy that you get when you're about to have lunch in 30 minutes, joy. Like a joy that the world cannot rob from you, joy. And so some of us were like, well, no, 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 I, I, I sacrifice a lot. Well, God's good with your sacrifice, but what he really is after is obedience. He's really after like a person who's like fully, like, oh, like I told you about Blake, my whole plans just changed. He changed the whole game off of one word. That we would be people that we would say, God, I yield in obedience to you. I'm, I got I to try to get through this. 
Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other the same way I have loved you. This is what he's talking about us. What? Did you catch that? Let, let's die. Let's die to consumerism, consumerism Christianity. I can't even say it. It's like a sin for me. This consumerism Christianity, and let's get to the place where we truly love one another. You hear me? It's available for us. Like Jesus spoke it. He says, as I abide and as I open up my heart to him, the byproduct of that is that I see you and I love you. Not based off of what you give to this church or based off of you coming. It's because I see Jesus inside of you. I don't know about you, but I'm praying for this. Because, like, if we were to be really honest, a lot of us were still really selfish. No? There's a lot of my life that's still built around me. And my conveniences and things that, I don't know, Jesus, but what he's saying is, I want you to get to the place where you fully trust me and you love the people that you come across. That you're not just going to wait for the moment where it's convenient for you to share the gospel with them. I was at the gas station this morning, and I was thinking about this last night. Jesus be messing with me, man. I was laying in bed, and there's this lady at a gas station. She's amazing. She has dreads. And we always talk, and I always try to keep it light because I don't want it to be uncomfortable. My wife knows her. And then, and then the Lord, last night, it was like 1 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, leave me alone. And, she, and the Lord says to me, what if tomorrow is the last time you see her? You don't even ask her to pray for her. I never have. I always ask her for her kids. I invite them to church. So today I got up to the thing and I'm grabbing my energy drink and I'm taking a long time because I'm nervous. You don't get nervous, it's just me? Oh, what am I going to say, Lord? You promised that if I open my mouth, you'll fill it. I'm, I'm doing all that stuff. Not you, you're an amazing Christian. This, this is me. And I get up to this counter, she's like, how you doing? And I'm like, good. Super, I can feel it. I'm like, why am I being so awkward? I'm like, how are your kids? She's got two kids. I always invite them to youth. I tell her to come. I tell her, we're all just as weird as you, I promise. She rides a motorcycle. She's awesome. I said, hey, listen, can I pray for you for anything? She just looks. There's people behind me now. I'm like, there's never people there on Sunday mornings. This is the only Sunday. There's an audience now. I said, can I pray for you for anything? She goes, yeah, I'm just having a really hard time. Like with my kids. And so I'm like, I'm not going to be that guy that says, all right, I'll pray for you and walk away. I'm like, we're about to get it. So I start in tongues. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I, I just prayed for her. But like, I, this is my job. I don't know what the heck that means. What is a pastor's job to be a Christian? But here's what I know. If it's something that I'm wrestling with, that I would venture that a lot of us are wrestling with this. What's, what's the answer? That we would get to the place where we would abide in Jesus to the point where we know that as I talk to that person, it's not me, but it's Jesus coming out of me. Like I have, there's nothing of geo left. That's what I want. I don't, I don't, I don't really care no more about this co-laboring crap that we hear. I just want geo to die and I just want to be all about Jesus. That's why Paul says to live is Christ and to die is gain. Like that as I'm living, as I'm living, that it would only be Jesus that people see because Gio has a lot of faults. You don't believe me? Ask my wife. Like I just fall short a lot and I try my best, but it's just, you know, you know what I'm saying? So he's saying to love people. And then he says this, this just gets me. Oh, Jesus is speaking. I, I, see, I read this like he's saying it to me. 
not to the disciples. He's saying, Gio, you are my friend. If you do what I command, I no longer call you a slave. And this is huge for me because I used to see this. I'm a servant. I'm a servant. And I had no problem serving God, but I had a hard time believing he wanted to be my friend. I no longer call you slaves because the master doesn't confide in his slaves. But now, now, I'm going to make it personal. Now, Gio, you are my friend. Since I have told you everything. And then verse 16, he says this. You didn't choose me. I chose you. And I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. And then he says it again. This is my command to love each other. You, you see how that takes the pressure off? Like the pressure of Christianity of trying to be a good person and this and that. Tali, can you come up, bro? You see how, how Jesus, at the very end of all of this stuff, that, that, that I would remain and that I would keep his words and that I would love. Then he says this, but I, I need you to understand, I chose you. I chose you to produce lasting fruit. It's as if he's saying, hey, listen, if you keep love the principal thing, if you can learn to just block out all of the stuff that the world says is important, I want to remind you, like Paul says, that we're just strangers here. He says that. He's like, we're just, we're just passing through. This is not our world. This is not our kingdom. Like the moment you say yes to Jesus, you become grafted into a new family. And so I understand there's COVID and I understand that there's debt and I understand all of that, but I'm not a part of that kingdom. My resources, my stability, my, my well-being for me and my family comes from heaven. And so as we align ourselves with him, oh, you know, the, the Lord asked me, the Lord asked me, I don't even know if I should share this with you. I was sitting here on Wednesday night. Can we keep it 100? I was sitting right there. And I talk with Jesus, and I believe he talks back with me. I don't believe that Jesus talks with me through a pastor. That would suck because I'm the one who always speaks. <laughs> Be a rough day. And as I was sitting there, I was talking to the Lord, and I've really been, you know, I've just come to this place where this realization at 30, I'm like, I'm 30. I'm, I'm towards the end of my life already. <laughs> I'm just playing. <laughs> I'm just playing. And the Lord, I, I, I've, I've learned, I'm like, the more I do it, the more I realize that the most important thing I do is not preach a message. It's not, it's not how good I worship. It's not even how good of a pastor I am. The most important thing I do week in and week out is, is my prayers. You just don't understand there's so much power in prayer. That's why we see a powerless church is because we see a prayerless church. And so I'm praying and I'm asking God. I said, God, I want you to refine this area of my life. And the Lord asked me, if I can get a transcript of your prayers for the last month, what do you think it would look like? And I'm like, oh. <laughs> because as I start to think about my, my life, even I spend, I spend at least four hours in here in prayer uh, through our prayer nights and stuff. And I said, man, a lot of my prayers have a lot to do with me. 
lot to do with what I need and what I want. And so like in the Bible, we see Solomon, the Lord comes to him in a dream and says, what do you want? He said, I want wisdom. And he gets praised for wisdom, right? Wow, it's amazing. He's an amazing king. He has all the treasures. And he gets praised for wisdom. But the more I think about it, the more I'm like, no, no, no. I just, I want the David thing. Where he says in Psalms 27, this one thing I ask, this one thing I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord and that I may gaze upon his beauty all the days of my life. And I'm like, Jesus, will you just make me? Maybe you have other prayers, but I'm, I'm asking this for me. I'm talking to my wife about this. I'm like, Lord, I just I want you to just make me a person who I'm, I'm all about one thing. And let the people say that I'm narrow-minded. Let them say that I only have one message. I, I'm praying for that. And you would think he just has nothing else to say. Thank you, Jesus. This one thing I ask, this one thing I seek, that I would dwell in the house of the Lord and that I would gaze upon his beauty. Because in that place is where life is found. You see, I would rather go down. <laughs> Solomon's known as the wisest man ever, but David's known as the man after God's own heart. I don't know which one you're after. Even in the midst of encounters we've been talking about, all these encounters, and Moses had an encounter with God in a bush. Abraham, God came. Moses saw God on a mountain, all of these things. And then David, here you have David, and you don't read about any visible encounter like that. All you read is that one day a prophet came in and anointed him, and all David knew was, I'm chosen by God. <laughs> That's all he had. This notion that God chose me. That's what I'm praying for us that we would be ab ab abiders, like that we would live this John 15. And I, th I feel like this is the recalibration. Even in the midst of church, we can be so distracted by so many things. And like I said, good things will get in the way of God things. So I want us to stand. to for just for a moment to, to be still I was watching this I was watching this video I don't even know how I found it sometimes you know you get lost in YouTube you don't even know how you got there I was there and I was listening to this thing about a person who was painting and they paint these beautiful pictures and and the painter says this he says when he's painting outside he says I paint but sometimes the wind comes and I have to stop I have to stop painting until the canvas gets still. When the canvas gets still, then I start painting again. Because as it's moving, it's compromised. And I felt today that, that what God, I, I felt like if we were to just be still for a moment, you understand what I'm saying? Like that if we were to just be still for a moment, that God would come and he would speak to us and he would realign us. And I know this because God spoke it to me. There's some people, you just need to be realigned. Like you just need to come up to the altar and you just need to sit with Jesus. So here's what we're going to do. We're just going to worship for a second. And we're going to fix our eyes on that place again. Just for a moment, if you just want to close your eyes and just transition out of message mode and into receiving mode.
We worship you, Jesus. Come on, it's so easy. we're supposed to do. I'm not, I'm not going to close service today. I'm going to give you an opportunity to find a place and to just be alone with Jesus. And if you need prayer, we'll be up here. But I feel like some of us, we just need to linger. And I know we have our time restraints and all these things, but I think that I think that God is just looking for a little bit more than that. Could you agree? Could you agree that what we've been doing for a long time just isn't working? that maybe we can get to the place where we, we, we figure out what full surrender looks like for us. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for your heart, and then I'm going to have Pastor Tyler lead us. I'm going to invite you to take communion and to find a place around the room and to just let Jesus speak to you, that you would find your place back to his feet. And I don't know what's had, what has you distracted, but, but it's so easy. You just repent and say, Father, forgive me for being distracted, and he comes. He comes. So, Father, right now in Jesus' name, God, I ask that you would bring us back to first love. Bring us back to the place, Father, where, where everything was just a wow. Father, forgive us for allowing the routine of religion and the in and out of life to keep our hearts far from you. But, Lord, I ask that you would come and that you would restore our souls to purity, Father. I pray for every single person in this room, God, that they would feel your nearness. Father, I pray for my leaders right now. Every single one of them, God, that you would touch them. That you would come close. For every person, whether this is the first time or the last, God, that you would brand them with first love. And God, as we linger, Father, I ask that you would walk around the room. That you would walk around the room and that you would do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, I encourage you to find a place.
like you always do Won't you come like you always Come Oh, come to me, Jesus Come to me, Jesus anybody in here that um, I want to I feel like I'm supposed to pray for prodigals right now so if there's anybody here that they've been believing I don't know for, for a son or a daughter or some family member who are you I feel like I'm supposed to yeah is there anyone else it's okay if it's just for one <laughs> that's totally good with me anyone else let's just stretch our hands you right there yeah let's pray you know their names man we're just gonna pray right now father in Jesus name Lord, we declare that heaven would crash in on sons and daughters, on relatives right now, Lord. And Father, I pray for your love to come, that it would come in like a flood and that it would rush in, Father. Father, I thank you that the Holy Spirit knows the best way. And God, I ask that you would cover them, that your grace and your mercy would flow to them, God. Father, I pray for the person praying for them, God, that you would give them mercy and strength to believe, to not lose hope, God. That they would remain, God, steadfast in knowing, God, that you are faithful. That you are faithful, Lord. So we pray for those sons. We pray for those daughters. And I thank you that what is seen in the natural is not what's happening in the supernatural. I thank you that in the unseen, many things are happening, Lord. So, Father, we pray for them. The same way you took me out of addiction, my brother, so many in this room, the same way you saved us, God, we pray that you would bring them out of darkness and into your glorious light. We bless them. We bless them. And we say soon, soon, come home in Jesus' name. I want to do one more thing, bro. I want to pray for you. You and your wife want to come up? Yeah. I want to pray for them as a house. They're amazing, these guys. They, these guys. They're in Miami, and they work in a treatment center. And I don't have time to share the whole story. It's just incredible. Romero is here because of, of Danny and the story you've shared. But I want to bless them because I'm believing that as a house, we're going to have a men's home. Did you forget this? Because I haven't. That we're going to have a, a home where men come in and women, and we could rehabilitate them. And I feel like the best way to do that is to begin to sow in ministries that are already doing it whether in prayer or whatever. So I want to pray for them and I want to bless them. So can I get a couple people to come around? I feel like, is this okay, bro? I feel like we're supposed to do it. Yeah. Oh, Father, we thank you for this family, Lord. And we bless them in Jesus' name. And God, I thank you, Lord. Oh, 
God, I thank you that you are just getting started, Father. God, I thank you that you've given them a heart for the lost, Lord. And Father, I ask for them for encounters with you, Lord. Tangible, real encounters with your spirit, Father. And Father, we just bless them as a house. And God, I thank you that the captives will be set free. I thank you that those that have been loosed, those that are in bondage, God, will be loosed through the testimony, Father. And God, I thank you, God, that, that there is provision. I thank you that you have provision for them, God, for all of the things that are in their heart, Lord. And God, I bless them, God, every word that has been spoken over them for being misunderstood, for people not understanding, God, we cancel those words and we bless you in Jesus' name. God, I thank you for the heart you've given them to shepherd and to pastor, those that are forgotten and that those are misfits, God. And God, I say the two are one. And God, I thank you that they are stronger together. Wow. 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 Father, I thank you that you're taking them to new realms in the supernatural. I feel that, bro. I feel like you guys are, you guys are to believe for more in the supernatural realm. That plans in the natural are good, but, but the supernatural hand of God is going to begin to crash in on your ministry. I feel that, man. Even that church that you were telling me on Monday night, man, I feel like pastors, evangelists, they're going to come out of that place. So, Father, I pray for them eyes to see what you see over them. That every person they come across, that they would see them the way that you see them, God. And God, I thank you for mantles. Oh, man, I feel like there's mantles over you guys, man. Like God has anointed you and appointed you. I even see like a fathering and a mothering thing. Like ministry is going to be super personal for you guys. And I feel like people have even told you guys, like, you can't do it that way. And I just, it's a lie. Father, I pray and I bless them, like, family ministry style. That they would shepherd. Like, Jesus had his 12. I pray that you would send him, God, disciples that, that would go out. Oh, man, what's your name? What's your name? Alexis. Father, I, I pray for Alexis. God, I thank you that you have so much for her. You know, I felt like I was supposed to 